Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Known to Ramble with your hosts, Gotti Elkon and myself, Josh Cuminato. On this week's episode 12, we have a very, very special guest, my big brother, Michael Cuminato, and he is here to talk about the greatness that is Dallas Mavericks basketball. We discuss how the offseason went, what we expect from this group, and can the immaculate vibes continue without Jalen Brunson? As always, a big thanks to our listeners for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy this All Mavs episode of Known to Randy. And welcome back to another episode of Known to Ramble. We, I'm Gotti, I'm really excited today. We are joined by a very special guest, my big brother, doctor of physical no. therapy, Michael Cuminato. <laughs> He's like, no, don't throw that no. at me. <laughs> Immediately, no. But Immediately, no. My big brother's here to talk some Mavs. We talk Mavs all the time. I text him nonstop about it all. So I thought we'd have uh big bro stop by michael cuminato how are you doing man i'm doing good i'm i'm the kirk henderson of this podcast i'm less than optimistic (laughs) (laughs) kirk's serious face i love it okay so Gotti said he's got some questions for us off the top let's see what he's got for us well i think if i'm not mistaken we've only ever hung out no we we did do your birthday party that was the first time outside of a basketball Maverick setting, whether it was a banner or a preseason or a robbery. I don't know what all we went to, Mike. I don't know. <laughs> Just magical moments together. That's the Dirk celebration. It was the it was the banner, right? Or I mean the jersey retirement, I think. Jersey retirement. Dirk's jersey retirement. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to your wonderful younger brother and your friends you two were able to get in that building. Hmm. I don't know if you're talking about us and I'm just getting creeped out because I think it's like <laughs> multiple people, but that was sweet. Yeah, it was. We're, we're lucky that we all know Katrina Cuminato <laughs> that we were in that building at night. Oh, is she the one who hooked, you, hooked it up? <laughs> I didn't pay for it. <laughs> or did I? Did I have to pay y'all back? I oh, think you, I did. You definitely did. Yeah, it, took was a, expensive. it took a few months. <laughs> took a Two few years. <laughs> So I've got a question. Speaking of uh, banners, jerseys, all that, because I know uh, little uh, Chewy is uh, a huge jersey lover. So I'm curious, what would be your one NBA jersey? I'm guessing Maverick of all no. time. I gotta, Mm-mm. I gotta cut mm-hmm. up. I gotta cut you off for one second because he my, doesn't even wear jerseys. My brother is a jersey hater for the most part, but there I'm a jersey is, hater. There is a there is one jersey that he will get, and I'm just curious if I know what it is. Okay, guess it's the red Jordan Bulls from like ninety. Yes. Yeah, yeah, from like ninety six, yes. ninety five, all that. Yeah, he he wanted Absolutely. that so much growing up, and definitely the red one but he won't he wouldn't wear anything else and i'm sure if he got that he wouldn't wear it he would just like hang it on the wall i would i would probably rock that just because it would be a childhood dream come true <laughs> so if you if here's my question if you're rocking that what are the the dream 
shoes to go with it. Since I know, I mean, uh, I know you're I not. I think it's the Jordan, the red and black Jordan uh, 12 or 13 with the hologram logo on the side. Uh, the the black cat ones with the eye. The, it's got that yeah. like hologram eye thing. Okay. Yeah. With the, with the 23 and the. Man, you're like, oh, in, man. you're like in some late Jordan years. Yeah. I, I like the ones. I like the, I like the ones for sure. That's but, awesome. That's a good choice. And like late, late Jordan years was me when I was what seven yeah so like yeah 96 yeah 96 would have been eight 95 yeah yeah totally that's right in your wheelhouse yeah so that was my prime jordan years terrible so no jersey i went down a rabbit hole that left me nowhere but did get a good shoe call back i like the shoes he yeah he rocks all the jerseys and then they get all faded and (laughs) 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 oh that's a nice little dirt goat shirt he's rocking right now representing Dirk you know a little bit of news instead of banter you know Dirk is opening a restaurant in uh the airport DFW (laughs) Terminal C Terminal C Novitsky Bar and Grill right near Germany you got start small you know (laughs) small (laughs) compete with the Chili's 2 in the in the uh (laughs) Chili's 2 go (laughs) next location Lower Greenville one Go day he'll end up with in the Frisco. chilies too. <laughs> <laughs> Just branch tro- out from there. Trolling Dirk so hard right now. That's so rock. Uh, no, <laughs> well, I've seen I've, the. They, I saw a little video of it on Twitter. It looks nice. It looks slick. Yeah, of course, it's Dirk Swish. I would love to have the artwork yeah. they have behind Swish. the bar of Dirk. Yeah, no, it looks good. But <laughs> man, I mean, as as good as any airport restaurant can look, you know. <laughs> Very I think. True. I think Cobra had the best line. 41 flavors is the name of the restaurant. <laughs> like, a, that sounds terrible. It should be like a marble slab, but it's 41 flavors. <laughs> He's got a it's nice just dirt in the back with one of those ice things. Infinity what do you want? Scoops. Scoop it in. <laughs> Scoop it in. <laughs> okay. So back there. I guess that was the best banter I could come up with. He wouldn't let me ask about massages. Yeah. He thinks that he's, he's like, he's like, I, know. Uh, I think he assumes that. Physical therapy is just you massaging, massaging people all day. Their toes. Man, my hands would be so tired. I do do massage. Thank you. But how often do you do that? 11 people a day, like one person a day. Yeah. Maybe. You're not. So like when I go and get massage, like we, this dude's like, it's like this, the smallest dude or lady, but they ha- like their hands are just like rock hard. I can't imagine being like having that much strength. Doing that 12 times a day. I know. Oh, it's I'm, insane. I'm pretty heavy-handed, so. Do you have to get manicures or pedicures? <laughs> Keep them looking nice. I have nice. the crustiest hands. <laughs> I have the crustiest hands. They're not all soft and smooth from all the oils? No. <laughs> Just thick calluses. <laughs> Nasty. So there, you got your, getting, you got your massage. You're not, doing, you're, not, you're not getting it for fun. You're getting it because you need it. That's true. With these crusty hands. That's true. So, I think we do. We, it's time to dive in some Mavs. That's after that. Going. Yes, we need to. Yes. We need to get away from from the massage. Otherwise, we don't Where's know where the going to go. So here's the thing. We did a little podcast earlier about some, and we went through all the teams, and we briefly hit on the Mavs, and we were very sour. I was very sour on how Jalen Brunson left. I did not like right. the. Uh, 
the just absolute waste of asset management and just like terrible asset management that is in general. And JaVale so McGee. Yeah, that, con- that continues into <laughs> into this late uh, off season. Oh, we'll get we'll get we'll get to Facundo. So Facundo. My question to, to cousin. You. Cousin Composo. <laughs> totally. My question to you is coming into this season, how are you feeling about this roster compared to last year? How are you feeling about the additions, some people going out? Where where are you sitting right now? So if everybody hits their peak or someone close, like Christian Wood's not a problem. He's like the perfect um, Porzingis, like what Porzingis was supposed to be, you know. He can actually make his shots. He'll actually roll to the rim. And if we can convince him to play defense, I mean, he's just going to be a plus-plus player. Like, And if Tim Hardaway can actually start shooting the ball again. Yeah, Timmy of two years more, ago. Timmy of two years ago. The depth is so much better than last year. We can roll, you know, pushing Maxi deeper in the bench. Having Christian Wood come off the bench. Timmy off the bench. Not having to see Dwight Powell. Not having to see Dwight Powell at all, unless it's an injury. And then he can just crush the third, you know, third uh, shift. But to me, I think that's the biggest thing is that we're not having to run six deep the whole the whole time, especially in like important situations. But it all depends on if like convincing Christian Wood to play the way we want to play with hard, uh, aggressive switches and stuff like that. But yeah. I mean, there's a lot more competition at the big position as well. I mean, Minnesota just got a second tree. So, I mean, there's there's going to be more worry about can Christian Wood do a whole season as the big defensively? I, I, I'm not just saying help defense. I'm talking even just controlling his own guy. Yeah. He's, he's got to be convinced. I don't know if it's that's the reason he's coming off the bench is because he, uh, the staff doesn't trust him to, to start and play those, uh, in, intense defensive minutes that, you know, Jason Kidd demands, but if they can convince him to do that so he can get paid next year, I mean, it could be a pretty, pretty high ceiling for him. So I think I kind of completely agree as far as the hoping he can be what we were thinking Porzingis could be. Uh, the entire time Porzingis was here at the Mavs, I, I believe he, he was shooting like 28% from three on five attempts a game. It was it was something ridiculous. Yeah. The last two seasons, Christian Wood, uh, 38% from three on four and a half attempts a game. So j- almost just as many attempts a game and you know a much higher percentage. He's also shown that he's so much more versatile in the low post and off the dribble. Like KP looked like he thought he could kind of dribble, but... Christian Woods literally taking guys off the dribble and getting to the rim for some nasty and ones. What I'm really interested to see as we're starting to go forward is like you were saying, can he play the five? Uh, Can he kind of muscle up to that whenever it comes crunch time and we're needing, you know, we're, we're wanting to play our kind of small ball death lineup, but we need that rebound in the fourth quarter, or we need that rim rim uh, defense. You know, we need, we need him to be a shot blocker at the rim in that fourth quarter. Cause the thing that made us so versatile last year was that we were, we could almost switch everything on the perimeter and then, you know, kind of funnel guys down into, into 
like really solid help defense whenever they were working on it, whenever it was really clicking, jumping, passing lanes, all that kind of stuff. And so if he can buy in and use that length to kind of help us in that role, um, I don't, I, I do see why I can kind of understand why they brought in JaVale McGee because I don't see him being a five all year, being able to like bruise with everybody all year. But I think the hope is that whenever we get into the playoffs, whenever we get into the last five, six minutes of the game, you're running a, um, you know, Luca and then a, a mix, either Timmy or Spencer, whoever's hot and shooting at that game. And then obviously Reggie and Dorian locking everybody down. And hopefully Christian Wood can be that, you know, that five for you in, in those big minutes. I think just hoping that Spencer continues to be what he was last year. I mean, insane from three point. I mean, that's not a guarantee. And it was never been a guarantee anywhere he's been to shoot that hot from three. But if he can continue that, I mean, that's just another extreme depth piece that, you know, we haven't had before. Well, he's, I, I don't know if he's strictly going to be there for three points. They're going to ask him to control the offense. He's going to be that second ball hander. I, I, I think he, he's guaranteed to get you 20. How he does it. I think we might see him attack the rim more. I think he could buddy up with Christian Wood a lot better than Porzingis. Porzingis didn't understand how to roll or move or anything. So Wood could be that work with Dinwiddie, maybe even more than Luca, because Luca's going to do whatever Luca wants. So I've seen a couple different reports. Like, so the big talk was that Spencer's obviously going in the starting lineup. He's going to basically take over Jalen Brunson's role. He's the number two next to Luca for that secondary ball handler. But then some reports were coming out last week that Spencer's on the bench still. And I know that that might have could just been for the preseason game and people overreacting to that. But I'm wondering, what if he is wanting to keep Spencer as that secondary ball handler so that whenever Luca, you know, he's not, it's not like you have both your ball handlers on to start and then Luca's having to come off first or anything like that because we know Luca likes to play the whole first quarter that's what he kind of always does he plays the first quarter comes back halfway through the second plays most of the third and come or you know usually probably like eight to ten minutes in the third and then comes back with like eight minutes left in the fourth so I'm wondering are they are they willing to mess with that and so that you can start Spencer and then take Luca out first because you're wanting Spencer to run the second unit type thing like we were talking about I'm. I don't know. I think. I think we're still one ball handler short. And to to talk about what Michael was talking about earlier, we're we're bringing in Facundo Campazzo. Apparently, uh, overseas are reporting it. Was there confirmation today from anybody? Yeah. Well, at least on Twitter, okay. like uh, that it was a done deal. That just. I mean, to that mean that speaks to the the lack of urgency from that front office. Like clearly, you you saw that you needed a third ball handler Goran Dragic is out there for pennies literally you know, a vet minimum vet minimum same thing played with played with Luke in the past and now we're just settling for Faku Faku Compazzo like it doesn't make any sense to me that we ended up with this guy on our roster or what about countless other players Dennis Schroeder who was killing in Europe Dennis Schroeder he he just got didn't he get picked up by the Lakers or something super recently and so I don't know. There's there's been players available that could definitely help us out. I'm my hope is that the whole Facundo Campazo thing is just to be Luca's friend for a couple months since Bobby's gone, since he's a Real Madrid guy. And uh 
But what about Goran Dragic being no, Lucas Brin? No, 100%. That was, <laughs> that was botched. What I'm saying is that was botched. <laughs> this, is, this was the backup plan. But yeah, no, that... And then you don't have to worry about where whether Dinwiddie's coming off the bench or starting. You've got him for sure at the two. Or, you know, now we're worrying about are we going to start Jalen Green or... I wish we had Jalen Green. Josh Green. <laughs> Josh Green. Oh, man. Josh Green or Jaden Ah, uh, What about Frank? Frank can just go sit down behind <laughs> Faku. Aren't you talking about uh, what was the big thing that was on Twitter this summer that Frank was the Devin Booker lockup person? There was like, yeah, of, of 40 possessions where Frank played Devin Booker, Devin Booker scored six points. Or like some Which ridiculous was like a lie. <laughs> yeah. Someone went back and like it was like totally not true. Everybody now thinks Frank's a lockup because of because of that. Um I mean if he wants to split minutes like taking over for uh Dodo and you know playing the, the second string uh bigs, that's fine. But like or second string uh wings, that's fine. But he cannot run the point. He cannot run the offense at all. No way. So here, one thing I'll, I'll throw over to you, Gotti. I was really down on the Jason Kidd hiring before last season. I think I think a lot of people were when we looked at his run with Milwaukee, his run in Brooklyn, right after we hire him or right before we hire him, there's a giant book that comes out about Giannis and there's some pretty bad stuff about Jason Kidd in that book. And it just it it didn't rub me the right the right way at the time and i was super down on it and i must say i was wrong it went great i love the culture he's setting <laughs> there's a lot of good things that he's doing and i wanted to get your input on how how did you see the coaching staffs hands on this team last year what how did the culture change how did their approach change what did you notice under the nico and jason kid kind of regime that came in I was definitely impressed by how simplified Kid made his transition. It almost seemed like he wasn't at all petrified or fearful of anything. And did we get the? Um, but basically, I, his defensive first kind of start really set up who he wanted to keep, who he wanted to kind of move. I was impressed by Nico's ability to find a way around getting. Porzingis out. I think a lot of people were out on that trade. I think we were all wrong. We didn't give Dinwiddie enough credit that he was going to be angry. And I think that moment where he hit that, I think it was a three and he runs over to Brooklyn. Yeah. In Brooklyn, of course, fitting when he high five Nico, that said so much about the kind of continuity of this team that Carlisle was a strict daddy not a coach's friend. I mean, I felt like they were, especially a kid like Luca. How does he look at Carlisle and kid anywhere in the same level? I mean, I think he's respecting kid just because he knows the level kid played with done. <laughs> so sure. Yeah. Daddy, sure. Daddy Carlisle. So, uh, Michael, same kind of question. What what was the kind of culture change that you noticed last year? I think uh, I agree. I think kid, he's got that pedigree for being a point guard. So immediately, Luke is going to respect his opinion on the way he sees the game. And then I think because of that, he was able to say things that Carlisle was 
which is surprising, was afraid to say, you know, sometimes Luca's got to stand up for himself. He's got to stand up and play some defense, even just for a little bit before help gets there, which, you know, everyone in Dallas is hesitant to say anything bad about Luca. And that's what you need from your head coach is to be able to set that tone and be able to actually tell your star player, Hey, you got to do, you can improve in some places for sure. I think that's the biggest thing that was the difference between Kidd and Carlisle. So a really funny story came out last year, and I think it was one of the assistant coaches who kind of broke it. But they were like, you know, one of the fun things about being a coach is kind of learning the motivation, different motivations of players. And they're like, once we learn that, like, Luca's whole thing is uh, he can't stand someone telling him he can't do something, something or something like that, that they uh, he said Jason Kidd went up to him one day and was like, Luca in like average in like net defensive rating. I looked up the stats. You're like 256th in the league. Like you're 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 in the bottom blah 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 percentile. You're that bad. And so Luca was like, I'm you know like I'm I'm gonna be all defense coach type thing. Like like messing with him. <laughs> and uh, so every week Luca would come back and be like, Where am I at? Where am I at? And uh, like he kept on like bumping him like slightly up the rung. And then at the end of the year, they told him that it was all complete BS. <laughs> there was, he was not like net rating that like they were like, no, we just we just were trying to motivate you, get you to play some defense. And then once he saw like Dang. it was working, it was working. And I'm like, that's that's some awesome coaching right there. Well, don't give up the goat, coach. You know, <laughs> keep playing it a little bit longer. Yeah, tell him that he that he dropped back down. So yeah, I think yeah. I think uh this is a good place for us to kind of take a quick break. Um, we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about, um, you know, what's the season got to look like if it's going to be successful? You know, what what players have to really stand out? Uh, if this season goes to hell in a handbasket, you know, what what does that look like as well? So we're going to kind of come back and make a, a few little miniature season predictions. And as always, thanks for stopping here on Known to Ramble. Before we dive into some predictions, I thought we'd kind of see where is this team lacking? We obviously said that, you know, there's some issues that we think this team still has. So, Michael, where do you see this team? Are there any positions that are lacking? Is there any depth that we're lacking? What, what are you seeing? Uh, obviously, the, the third ball handler that we need. Relying on Faku is just not an option. Relying on... Uh, Freaking Frank Nilakina is not an option. So <laughs> Josh Green. So who's who's going to be the two start next to Luca if if we're not starting Spencer Dinwiddie? I think it's Timmy. I think that's right. I mean, it's scary to say it. I don't know if we can trust Timmy to any level. That's it's not so much what what positions we're lacking. It's I don't even know if I trust everyone in their own positional group. I, I think we need Dinwiddie on the starting lineup. I don't like Tim right there. Yeah, I, I agree. So here's my question. Are we going to end up getting the very Rick Carlisle thing of like the fifth starter rotates around like crazy? Like 
it's going to be Josh Green for the first four games, and that's not going to work out. So then we'll get Frank Nilakina for the next six games, and that won't work out. And then we'll finally get Spencer Dinwiddie like 25 games in, and we're like, why have we been not doing this the whole time? Well, that was kid last year with, with Brunson until Brunson got in the starting lineup. I was about to say, it's not True. Carlisle. It is. True. It's smart. You're also seeing what the league is actually doing, whether Keegan Murray is going to be a superstar in Sacramento. Oh, joy. You know, like there could be a lot of weird things in the league going on. I mean, who knows? Curry could get hurt. Let's pray. <laughs> um, I think another thing that we're definitely lacking is a is a solid third wing. Someone that we feel like can come in and spell Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith. Last playoff series, or not even series, last playoff run, we ended up playing them each like 40 minutes a game for like eight or nine or ten games straight. And there's just no way they can pull that off again. Right. I think they're hoping that pushing Maxi deeper down the depth chart can spell them minutes at those positions. So you're thinking we'd be playing more Maxi more at like a four? Yeah, if you're rolling Christian Wood out the bench. So like a uh, like a defensive five, offensive stretch four type thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, I got that. I can see that. You know, and if you're going with Dinwiddie on the bench with Wood coming off that in that end of first going into the second, that's a dominant little one-two punch to go up against teams as well. Like kid could look at it as one A, one B rather than the top six, you know, like, cause I think he can exploit certain players. I mean, <sighs> some of these guys we shouldn't have on the team, but you know, that's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I miss Bill though. <laughs> hey, Theo, Theo got an Love entire- the energy, Theo. He got an entire NBA rule made after it's called the Theo rule. That's what all their players yeah. refer to it as is the Theo rule because, well, Hey, I love it. it. It was pissing some people. It off was elite. I loved it. The energy is great. The <laughs> vibes are great. <laughs> the energy is great. Elite bench player. Yeah. You can't, I guess you can put a price on it now, but, uh, <laughs> okay. So, Michael, when we're looking at this season, obviously last year we made the Western Conference Finals. That was nobody's expectations. Where are your expectations this year? What if if the season goes well, how far did we get and what did that kind of entail? I think second round is probably, you know, I, I would expect minimum second rounds, you know, with the outside shots of – if everybody hits, if Christian Wood hits, if Tim Hardaway is back and just flame throwing off the, you know, uh, threes like he used to, if Green can figure out how to play basketball and be productive and give us minutes, that's big. Um, if JaVale McGee is a hard rim runner and rebounds and just gets eight to 10 points, just dunking on people. I mean, that's great. And if we can all not argue and fight with each other, now that we have JaVale McGee and Christian Wood and the, and the locker room cohesion stays there, I think that's possible. The, the ceiling could be higher, but second round is, would be what I would expect. So, so making it to the second round. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotti, same question. I mean, very similar thinking of where it's going to end, but I'm 
I'm not optimistic about JaVale McGee even running down the court, let alone dunking on things. Um, but I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I do think there will be movement. I do think Nico is going to make a splash at some point. I don't know what it is, but this quiet nature seems very eerie. Like Cuban doesn't care even. Uh, Nico didn't seem to care when he was talking last couple of weeks about stuff. I'm, I'm curious if they think they're going to find someone or I don't know. But there, there could be some movement during the season that could impact it. I, I just don't see it, and that's what's scary. Like Second round would be where I hope we are, but also I could see us being a seventh seed and being like, what, what major injury did this? Timmy went down. God forbid Dinwiddie goes down. Wood doesn't live up to it or in that locker room slap someone like McGee. Right. Could happen. <laughs> Wood's not a nice guy in some circumstances. Houston Neither didn't really JaVale think McGee. so. Well, yeah, but he's like forty. Yeah, he, he falls. He falls easy. I mean, it's not Udonis Haslam like just yelling at people. So I'm I'm thinking if this if this season does go right, a lot of things. I agree with a lot of things that you guys are saying. One thing that I think that we missed on is if we're gonna be where we hope we are, if we're going to make it to the Western Conference Finals again, I think Christian Wood's got to be borderline, not not necessarily an all-star, but he's got to be having like, you know, 20 and 8 a night. I think Michael he's got to be an all-star. Best. He's got to earn that contract. You think I Christian think, Wood's going to be an all-star? I think he has to be an all-star if you want oh, to make yeah. the, the Western Conference Finals. And yeah. like, he wants to get paid. Like, he's been waiting to get paid. And so this is his one time playing with a guy who who can facilitate for him better than anybody else in the league to put, put those numbers up. So I think, I think the real question for, uh, for him, like we said, is going to come down to the defensive side of the ball and to rebounding. Like whenever I was at the fan jam and I went to one of the first preseason games, the number one thing that I noticed about Christian Wood is that the box out is not in his repertoire. And so he needs to, I'm nervous that rebounding in key situations is not going to be something he can handle. And that scares me, especially if he's going to be our five. So that kind of leads us to the next thing. If, if this season kind of goes to hell in a handbasket, how does that happen? And obviously don't just give me Luca got hurt. If Luca gets hurt, we're done forever, obviously. So give me what, what, what goes wrong to cause this season to go off the rails? Christian Wood doesn't buy in, doesn't play defense, um, doesn't like coming off the bench, and quickly gets frustrated with his role there. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is not the player he was last year, in which, I mean, I don't think he's ever shot that well from three in his life, and he did that. Um, and he takes somehow takes a regression. I don't think that's the case. I think he'll be just as good as he was, if not better. Now that he's got another uh, year uh, of training with his ACL coming back. But um, if Tim Hardaway can't shoot the three like he did all last year, if Tim Hardaway is just cold, I mean, that is seventh seed stuff right there. I'm, I'm going to say the one guy I didn't mention, Dorian. If Dorian doesn't do what he did at least last year, this mm-hmm. team doesn't look the same. I think he was a motivator. I think he was destructive when he would try and make a presence. He's also that guy that could actually rebound since 
No one else seemed to rebound for the team. He is I an like, elite rebounder. I do like Dorian. I think there's another step for him. And if Wood doesn't go full tilt, does Dorian, because he's got Wood next to him, it might open the lane. It might open space. I, I think Dorian's the key to the season, but everyone's got to do what Michael just said. They got to at least do what they were doing, if not better. I think it's awesome that I remember the Dennis Smith Jr. draft. We also <laughs> get un we also get uh undrafted free agent Dorian Finney Smith coming into camp. He impresses so much at summer league with his just hustle. He wasn't impressing with his shot, <laughs> that's for sure. He just impressed <laughs> with his hustle and he makes the team. He then ends up like playing big minutes his rookie year, starting a ton, and his development over the last what this is his fifth year or sixth year at this point. His development over the last five years has I love that story. I love that kid. I think he's one of those people that, you know, he's a fan favorite. And if he had to go in a package to get a second star, we would genuinely be kind of distraught about it. I would I would miss Dorian, but I I love that story. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Dorian. He doesn't get enough love. He And uh, another thing, there was a quote from Spencer Dinwiddie this week. He was on a podcast, and they were. Uh, it was the uh, J.J. Reddick's Old Man in the Three podcast, and he was saying how when he came to Dallas, at first he's coming in, we're playing hot, so he's not wanting to come in and mess anything up. And, you know, he's just kind of coming in to lay back the first couple games. He only scores like eight total points or something. It wasn't anything impressive. He was very pass heavy the first few games. I remember that. And Dorian came up to him and he says, you know, we didn't bring here you here to do that. We brought you here to score the ball, get the ball in the bucket. He goes, I don't go out there and guard LeBron so that you can not go out and score points. <laughs> and when I heard that, I was like, Dorian is my guy. He's yeah, just here yeah. to ride. He's just here to be the dog. He's here to do all the hard work for everybody else. Cause he knows if he's willing to do the hard work, everybody else is going to be willing to ride or die with him. And I, man, Dorian, I could talk about him forever. With all that said, is he not the only tradable piece we have? I mean, like, that's the truth about Dorian is, like, we love him, but so does the rest we of the league. We got Faku on a one-year expiry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, whatever all of our expirings, we're trying to throw Dwight Powell, we're trying to throw Faku. Dwight Powell. We got you Davis. Know. Anybody need a Davis? Yeah. <laughs> Dwight Powell's having a resurgence. I've seen it. We so. can make that happen. <laughs> We can we can fluff it up like we did with Kristaps uh, and make it a resurgence if we need to trade that dude. My favorite <laughs> thing on Twitter is whenever you see all these uh, Mavs trades that everybody's posting, and the first thing they want to do is they want to offer like, yeah, I'll give you Dwight Powell and Frank Nilakina and in uh, <laughs> a second, and you're like, who's taking that? Who wants that at all? <laughs> they yeah. always throw these gonna... terrible trades. That's gonna get us Brad Beal, I think. Oh yeah, we'll get Brad Beal. <laughs> Every trade's always for Brad Beal. I'll take Brad Beal. So I think a fun kind of way to wrap up this podcast is I'm going to I'm going to throw it to Gotti first, and I want to know. I, I know you're a Spurs fan at heart first, but what was you know you're you're a Mavs fan as well. What was the thing that kind of got you excited about the Mavs? What was that first like Mavs memory where it was like, am I really a Mavs fan? First of all, that's never happened. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it uh, it had a lot more to do with the way the Spurs kind of 
upended their everything and where they're at now. I mean, trading away Murray, I don't even want to watch their games right now. They're going to be one of the worst teams. Uh, they're trying to get you Victor. Shut up. We're not going to get Victor. If we got Victor, I'd take him. <laughs> <laughs> Wimanyama. But, uh, uh, I mean, late years Dirk. I think seeing Dirk win the title, it it felt right. It felt like the one title in that whole decade where someone I thought deserved to win won it. It's not like LeBron and his 25 million friends or Kobe and Shaq when they're not slapping each other. Like Dirk's title was special. And other than seeing my Spurs do what they did, it's the one that I thought had the most emotion to it. I, I I bought in even even Jet with his just ridiculous Nostradamus crap uh, was special. Um, yeah, that that's a really good team as well. Like that's a team to respect. I think overall, um, I think I like them. And then I'd heard about Luca, so I think seeing Luca being traded for reminded me of when we traded for Dirk, R.I.P. Truck. Uh, but I really think Luca's. I've never seen anything like it. Anyone who talks s about Luca doesn't understand the game of basketball. They've never seen it. They never played it. They don't feel it, and they're probably, you know, they're just wrong. It's poetry. It's. I mean, Holger. Holger would say it's jazz. jazz. Go magic, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, same question. What was the first like Mavs memory that you remember having where you got just obsessed with the Mavs? Uh. I don't know if you, it's probably just a little bit before your time. You can see my handle on this Zoom is what? Findog? Findog. Findog. Great so watching, Shut up. Watching <laughs> Finley go head-to-head with Jordan in, before Nash and um, Dirk came. So and this kind would of be like 97, there. 96, 97. Yeah. yeah. And then we got Nash and Dirk, and I think in 99 – is when we played Utah in the in the playoffs and just that miracle Calvin Booth layup. And it was church from there. Like, just <laughs> obsessed. Obsessed from that point forward. Okay, okay. So the, the moment that I remember, like, absolutely just kind of falling in love with the Mavs and freaking out was um, – and it's unfortunate, but it was the 2006 like playoff run. My brother oh. knows this about me. Whenever I was growing up, I was like much more into like the arts and music and stuff like that. And I really didn't understand like competitiveness until I got like to high school and college and that kind of stuff. And I started like, uh, you know, following along with basketball and everything. But while I was in middle school, 2006 play playoffs are going on. Uh, my boy Josh Howard is just absolutely killing for the Mavs. We got Keezy Daniels. We got Keezy, Josh Howard. Oh my God. We got Josh Howard. We got Devin Harris, rookie Devin Harris running the point. Um, man, who else was on that team? There were, uh, I mean, Eric Dampier. Don't even give me started. Yeah, Dampier. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I remember just like watching that team and loving it so much. Stackhouse. Loving the entire run. Jerry Stackhouse just being an absolute G. And mm. I, yeah, I loved everything about that team. And then I remember how absolutely heartbreaking it was <laughs> to be in those finals and watch what happened. And uh, me and Gotti are going to talk more about that on another podcast someday. But 
that was the first time where I understood sports, where I was like, this is what heartbreak is. And so then in 2011, I was very fortunate to, uh, I'd come back from college for the summer and at the, at the house I was staying at, there wasn't any like TV or cable or anything. And so uh, for each Mavs game, I went over to my grandpa's house and sat down and watched every single one from uh, the entire OKC run and all of the finals run. And um, I watched every single game with him. And I, that's like one of the best memories I'll have in my life. Uh, Cause you know, just like living, living that with Pappy. And then one, right when we win, I was like, I think I'm going to go get in line to go get some shirts and hats. And he, uh, and he gave me like, he was like, he was like, get your brother one, get your mom one. And, and he like, he, yeah. So I, I was standing in line at like one o'clock in the morning at Academy, getting some shirts and hats, championship shirts and hats, all thanks to good old Pappy who got my love for these Mavs rock solid. So I'll, I'll always ride or die for the Mavs because of good old Pappy. And don't we forget- didn't have cable growing up. <laughs> and yeah. so I would sit around my radio and listen to the play by play. And he would come in there and sit there next to me. And we'd listen to the radio. Like it's like 1954. There was one time Michael was mad at me one time. Cause I got, I got hurt at school and had to get stitches in my lip. And so I was at the emergency yes. room and he was jealous that I was getting to watch a playoff game while I'm getting stitches. I'm watching the playoff game on the TV. And when I come home, they're huddled around this. And I was like, Oh, I was just watching the game. He's like, I hate you. And I'm like, look at my lip. I have stitches <laughs> coming out of my face. <laughs> good times. I got a little teary eyed there. It's good stuff. Well, I think that's a, a good, good spot to call it quits here. Um, a big thank you to Big Bro, uh, Michael Cuminato, for stopping by. Let the listeners know where they can uh, can find you on social media, Michael. Uh, listeners, you can't find me on social media. So <laughs> there you go, <laughs> easy, easy and done. Um, well, thanks for stopping by, and uh, as always, thanks to our listeners for listening here on Known to Ramble. Mazel tov. Big thanks to Michael Cuminato for stopping by on today's episode. We hope you all are as ready and excited as we are for this upcoming season of Dallas Mavericks basketball and NBA hoops. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at known to ramble and Twitter at K the number two R pod. As always, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.